long ago, I started learning more about the audience, mine specifically, through the lens of Kelly Hogan. And she just was really wise about anxiety about being on stage and had really profound and simple and creative ways to just imagine them. It's not scary and it's not a big showbiz thing. It's a gentle, compassionate relationship. And she's absolutely my mentor in that regard. Then meeting the Indigo Girls, Hogan and I went to sing with them and Michelle Malone was playing the opening set and the audience was not only accepting her, they were saying like, great job. And I was like, I've never seen an audience that was so there for the Indigo Girls that they were also there to be into what the Indigo Girls curated their evening to be. They trusted the Indigo Girls and the Indigo Girls treated them in kind. And it was the most beautiful symbiotic relationship. And I was like, that's the audience I want. That was Nico Case and this is Shiro's, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, Shiro's Radio. Shiro's is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss challenges and triumphs, how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music better for everyone. This week, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Nico Case, recorded live at this year's Newport Folk Festival. Wildness is intrinsic to Nico's nature, so it came as no surprise when we last did a live interview at a music festival that a groundhog came to scurry around at our feet. And this time, it was a little bit of a different kind of wildness. Nico got stuck in traffic, and with a crowd waiting at the stage where we were already supposed to be for our live taping, my friend Billy Glasner of Newport Folk Festival came to the rescue and we took a wild one and a half mile ride on a golf cart to pick her up from the entrance to Fort Adams State Park, then back to the foundation stage where we had a fantastic chat for the remaining minutes of our time slot. But less than 10 minutes wasn't nearly enough to catch up on the myriad writing projects Nico is doing these days, writing music for a Broadway musical, writing her first book, writing songs for a new album, and continued writings on her Substack, Entering the Lung. She's also been doing some touring, including recent dates open for her friends the Indigo Girls and just a few weeks ago released the vinyl edition of Wild Creatures, a career-spanning double album which was initially a digital-only release last year. Luckily, Nico was gracious enough to join me backstage to continue our curtailed onstage conversation and I've brought the two parts together to share with you as we welcome Nico Case as this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Hi. Thank you. Hello. Hi. We just had an adventure, and here we are. Yes. Welcome to Shiro's Live at Newport, everybody, (laughs) with special guest Nico Case. Hello. On this beautiful morning. Hi, Nico. Hi. That was exciting. It was, right? Yes, we just off-roaded all the way here, and uh, (laughs) it was pretty good. Speaking of exciting, you've been having some very exciting times lately. I want to catch up everyone here on what you've been up to, which is many things. Let's see. There's musical happenings. Yes. I've been working on a musical really hard, and it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's really fun. And we're all hoping that it'll be out next year, so I'm hoping that I can tell you soon, which is the most teasing, dumb thing I've ever said to any people, and I'm sorry. (laughs) 
there's some cool stuff I'm doing. I wish I could tell you about it. <laughs> Sorry. But it's very exciting, and there's some superstars in it, and it's awesome. What does Nico Case entering the Broadway world feel like? I always feel like a maladjusted teenage boy who kind of is just like going, whoa. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it's like. I use my new lingo that I learned like, well, that's not interstitial dialogue, is it? <laughs> well, the dramaturgy, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I, I know a bunch of new words that I'm kind of okay with using, but I basically just figure I'm going to be fired any second <laughs> and that I should be present and enjoy every moment. Because in the Broadway world, it, like the turnover is really high and people get fired all the time and rehired. And, you know, you can work on a musical for seven years and then suddenly it's gone. It's canceled and nobody is going to finance it or it just didn't do well in the statistics or I don't know. But so it's really a a weird thing to work as hard as you've ever worked on something and knowing that it could just poof into the ether at any second. So it's a a character building exercise. (laughs) I I don't know. But the collaboration part is what's really fantastic. I've never had to collaborate with such a large group of people in such different disciplines. And everybody does each other's job. So it's very well-oiled. And you're basically like in a little bit of a trench where you're like, you tell people about your daily bathroom habits and, you know, you just know everything about each other. So it's really a life-changing experience that possibly no one will ever, ever see or know about. No, no, no. It's going to happen. I, 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 I know hope it, will. it does. I yeah. have faith that it will happen. But Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny because Broadway musicals and just musicals in general, musical films are so polarizing, right? Don't you think I, that? Well, yeah. I mean, just like any type of art form, you know, there's stuff that isn't for you. Yeah. It's like everybody likes a certain percentage and then some people are just a huge fan of musical theater the genre and really commit themselves to everything and meeting people like that has been really 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 fascinating to me because I'm very snotty about the whole thing I find so I've loosened up a lot of my preconceived snottiness which has felt really really good like to just let go and not be too cool for something for a second do you guys know about wild creatures Nico Case fans it's a large compilation of songs from over the years all the years all the years which all the years make me sound super old which seems impossible because I'm so very youthful I'm kidding. It just encompasses most of my career and also a really small part because I'm in so many bands that it feels complete and incomplete at the same time. So that's maybe where the book would come in and kind of try to tie it all together, I think. How exciting that you're having so many firsts right now. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I have to say it's pretty weird, but it's, it's good. Like I feel very awake and very present for it, and I'm really enjoying that. Catch you look like your mother It crushes me some Just right from the side When you catch the light There's a flash of wild creatures For the stone age of the preachers And the husbands and the wives Nico Case Shiro's Live at Newport Folk Festival. Welcome back. This is your Thank first you. time back in how long? I haven't been here since 2016. And that is the only date I actually remember with any sort of accuracy 
Like, I remember when the Case Lang Beers tour was. Wow. But that's all I remember with accuracy. So thank you for asking me that question because I feel super up on my own life and that's... when I was here. <laughs> I feel cool right now. <laughs> I remember being really excited because I don't think I'd gotten to see Case Lang Beers play yet. I think that was the first time I saw it. And I was like a fangirl. I was like standing side stage. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. That's what I was doing too. Yeah. I was <laughs> side stage looking at Katie and Laura like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm not the Case Lang Beers and Atomic Number from their 2016 self-titled debut. It's Shiro's Live at Newport Folk Festival with Nico Case. Please tell me that that's not a one-off. You guys are going to do something again, right? Well, we just recorded another song. I don't know that we're going to tour, mm. uh, but I don't know that we're not. Like, I don't, I don't really know. But I, I see them regularly when I'm in Portland and... Yeah. Uh, you know, we get together, we enjoy each other. So who knows? But the oh, new man. song is good and I'm excited about it. When is it coming out? Can you tell us yet? Um, or? I can't because I don't actually know. Okay. If I did know, I would tell you right now. Are you able to share with us how that even like a one-off song came together? Well, it was going to be the, I don't remember what year anniversary it was of the recording, but we wanted to do something for a re-release of the thing on vinyl so yeah. we were like let's do a song that because we, we missed each other we missed playing together and yeah. the impetus was just basically like I want to hang out with you I want to hang out with you too remind me were there like taking turns of songwriting or did you all songwrite together in case like beers and then what is this song did you we did all of the above on the record every combination of it but we all worked on every song and on this one it started with lyrics which I sent them and then they changed the lyrics a bit and then Laura did like a guitar track for it and then Katie went and messed with it a bunch and it's totally what I hoped it would be. Which is it, what? It was, very, it was just very velvety and smooth. Yeah. I haven't heard the final mix of it so it's kind of a an invite and also a love letter at the same time to the people listening, to people who love music or who actively engage in music in any way, shape, or form. Listening, looking, buying, selling, playing, any of the above. I feel like one thing I love about you, and there's so many things to love about Nico Case, but I feel like you Go are- you. I will. <laughs> Thank you. No, but like, I think maybe it's because you are such a huge music fan yourself and always have been like an uber passionate music fan that yes. you get what being a fan is and you yes. haven't forgotten that so you have a deep appreciation for your own fans I feel like that you would write a song like that that's to them yeah I've always felt that way I started learning more long ago about the audience mine specifically through the lens of Kelly Hogan and perception and you know she was really helpful she just was really wise about 
anxiety about being on stage on your relationship with the audience and had really profound and simple and creative ways to just imagine them mm -hmm. imagining you and yeah. how it's not scary and it's not a big showbiz thing. It's a gentle, compassionate relationship. And when I finally started getting that, I owe her big time for that. She's absolutely my mentor in that regard. Then meeting the Indigo Girls and playing a song with them and just being there before the show, seeing, okay, Michelle Malone was opening. I think it was at Chicago Theater. And when was this? I don't even, it was like so long ago when I lived in Chicago, okay. but Hogan and I went to sing with them and we were there before the show, obviously, because mm -hmm. we went and practiced. And then Michelle Malone was playing the opening set and the audience was not only accepting her, they were saying like, great job. And I was like, I've never seen an audience that was so there for the Indigo Girls that they were also there to be into what the Indigo Girls curated their evening to be. They trusted the Indigo Girls and the Indigo Girls treated them in kind. And it yeah. was the most beautiful symbiotic. And I was like, that's the audience I want. So how do you invite people like that? Right. How do you invite people? And I was like, well, I have to be the audience. You know, I already feel that way. And I already feel that way about them. You're completing a circuit with the other just as integral parts of the circuit machine. So I think that's why I had to write a book because I couldn't just sum it up in a few sentences. <laughs> as you're talking about this, I'm like, I don't know that I've actually ever had this conversation before, which is wild. Well, it's the most important thing there is if you're going to be a live musician. And, right. You know, it's such a huge conversation to have to. I'm like, don't get lost. Don't get lost. You can yeah, stay. Yeah, you can yeah, stay there. Yeah, you can yeah, stay yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as an audience member, I remember what I didn't like. I remember, you know, seeing bands yelling at people for mm. talking to each other during a set. I remember there was an artist that was opening for someone a long time ago I saw in Vancouver and she was just berating the audience for talking to each other. And I was like, this is their Friday night too. And they're talking because you've made them relaxed. They're also having their Friday night. Like, it's okay. They're not going to listen to every single word that you're saying right now. Mm. Like, they're here for the other band, but they're also here for you. They're right. standing near the front of the stage and they're watching you. They're just excited and talking to each other. And, you know, everybody's Friday night is as important as anybody else's. Like, it could be, like, the place you meet your future partner. You know, you take your sibling to their first ever show. Right. You meet your best friend. Like, you get your heart broken. Like, it's such a huge deal. And the music show that you go to is one of the only truly local and independent-specific places you can be that isn't a strip mall. It's, like, one of the only thing that makes a really unique marker of your neighborhood or your community at that time. Right. So it's such a sacred but should be relaxed place to be. And it's so interesting. You're talking about then in the context of the things you learned and that show with the Indigo Girls and observing how they cultivated that. I think about it now. When else do we get to experience music communally? Because it used to be, right, as a radio person, I'm like, we used to always be experiencing music together in real time at the same time. Yeah. And now, I mean, some people still listen to the radio, thank God. But like, there's a lot of people that just experience music in an isolated way until they go to see someone perform. Yes. And you realize it's very different and you realize, oh my God. 
I'm part of the circuit that makes this electricity. Yes. And if you can get people to feel comfortable enough, to feel vulnerable enough, or just off guard enough to feel that, it changes your life. Like, I love going into a club unexpecting. I remember working on songs for Worst Things Get, and I was in Athens, Georgia. We were rehearsing the songs, and Alabama Shakes were playing the Athens theater, you know? And so we went, and Brittany opened her mouth, and tears just, I was laughing and crying at the same time. Yeah. Like, it was a dam breaker that I really needed. I tried to tell her that once, and I just cried a bunch. She's like, it's okay, lady, you don't need to cry. (laughs) And I'm like, yep, I'm that dork. But it really came at the right time. And that's one of many moments I've had like that. Yeah. So I could have gotten that from the first time I ever heard their record, and I probably would have, but I saw that performance before I heard the record for the first time. Which is kind of the best. It was Insane. And I love the record too. Yeah. But it's like a Polaroid that is like the chapter page of yeah. a part of my life. Yes. And uh, it filled me with kind of a hope and inspiration I really needed because I was feeling pretty low. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what music feels like. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Thank you, Alabama Shakes. Thank you, Brittany Howard, you know? And it's I'll wonderful. S- and I'll say that since we're at Newport, I hear from artists that perform here, that's part of what draws them back to coming here because they get to be fans as well as performers, right. you know? And it's so collaborative and mm-hmm. it's so, like, communal and it reconnects them with why they originally became artists to begin with because it's easy to lose that thread when you're just in the day-to-day of your business and the cycle and the touring and the ba 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 This yeah. is a real pause, reconnect that. And you're doing some collaboration while you're here this week. You're not even here doing a set. You're like here to collaborate. I'm right? just I'm just catting around. <laughs> Can you tell us anything about the Los Lobos thing that you're about to do or what I'm going to go like up to- and do a few songs with them. I've been good friends with Steve Berlin for a very long time and a huge Los Lobos fan for most of my life. I think that they are quite possibly the most American band there is. And they're some magical creatures. Yeah. Los Lobos. How did you and Steve Berlin first meet? Do you remember? We have a lot of mutual friends in the Northwest. Okay. And I know I met Steve a long time ago that way, but I don't remember exactly how. But he's a delightful human being. He's played on a lot of my records, and, you know, I I just, I love him. Clouds say hush, but the chainsaws mush on to Custer and Columbia. Salty tentacles shrink in the sun, but the red tide is over. The mollusks may have won. Red Tide from 2009's Middle Cyclone and featuring Steve Berlin of Los Lobos on saxophone. This is Shiro's Live at Newport Folk Festival with Nico Case. Also thinking about your background in punk and the other side of that audience artist dynamic, if you're a woman, if you're a female person or a marginalized person, how that also like adds a different dimension into the experience and how punk had to fight for space for us. You had to fight for space for us. It was a very male-dominated space, and the audience was very male-dominated. 
Yeah, there was a time kind of in the punk rock scene in the mid to late 80s that was super masculine. And, you know, I lived in the Pacific Northwest where, you know, it's just military base after military base. So, you know, military dudes kind of caught on and they were like, this is where we're going to go fight, you know, and then meth was becoming a thing. And there was also a lot of Nazis. So that was a good time, like super aggro, skinhead, white dudes. We didn't really have the suede head, you know, two-tone ska skinhead situation where I lived, unfortunately. It was not an inclusive good time. It was a fuck everybody but us time yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my friend Jim May, who ran the punk rock club where I hung out a lot, Community World Theater, he fought against them, but he also tried to change people's minds too. He was really a phenomenal person in that regard. And, you know, I lived right next door to Riot Girl when it was happening. I wasn't as evolved. I wasn't ready. I didn't understand myself at all. And I was still just fighting, just fighting, but not fighting with a focus yet. And I wrote about this in my book. I think one of the reasons that, you know, Riot Girl really got a foot in, like, was able to really have, and this is just me, like, from a ways away noticing is, like, you could get pretty much everywhere in Olympia on foot. It was so easy to, like, hang out with everybody. Tacoma, you could not. It was really hard to, like, organize in that way. Right. Like, you had to, you know, see if you could get a ride, take the, but, like, everything was really far apart. There was no centralized anything. Whereas Olympia was very centralized in a really good way. And that must have helped. I've always kind of wanted to ask Kathleen about that because yes, it's got to be why. Because every, every time I went there, I was just like, yeah, this is the best. This is easy, you know. But I didn't have friends who were like out front of what they were fighting for yet the way those women were. We were just still fighting. So that kind of enlightenment didn't come to me later. And I kind of just had to figure it out for myself. You know, there was really good stuff about the scene in Olympia and Riot Girl, But then there were people in Olympia who were big fucking assholes. And so there was a point where it was really fun to be there. And I had lots of friends to the point where you'd go somewhere and try to talk to people and people would just look at you and not say anything back like you were a piece of shit. So I was like, is this a Tacoma thing? Because I know that people look down on us. And they did. People really, really looked down on people from Tacoma, even people who thought they were pretty open-minded. But I was friends with a few people that were in the Riot Girl movement and really adored them. And I just didn't move at the same speed they did. I wasn't quite there yet. I was a child, you know, I didn't have any parents or anything. I was kind of still just a little too feral. I wasn't whole yet, whole enough to go, what's my objective here? How can I better fight for this? This thing that I feel, but I can't quite describe yet. I wasn't able to describe it yet, but they were. And so when you talked about your relationship with your audience and cultivating what you saw at the Indigo Girls, which is like such a world away from punk and riot girl anyway. I mean, I guess with the Indigo Girls, you're also talking about queer spaces, which is a yeah. whole other, you know? Yep. So... There's also the issue of safety between artist and fan. And like when you're a woman 
being objectified and that whole dynamic and then engaging with your it's like so complicated like we could just do an hour talking about this we can talk about this as long as you want because it's something I think about all the time constantly and I don't know it's, it's always on my mind and you know I've always been adjacent to queer space and in queer space since I was a kid and I'm I would say I'm a bisexual woman, but I've never been in a long-term relationship with a woman, so I've never had to do the kind of fighting. So I've never claimed that for myself out loud, really, because I feel like since I had been in relationships with men pretty much, the long-term ones, that there was a safety I enjoyed that I wouldn't have been able to enjoy or just take for granted, but I was there and wanted to do the best for everyone that I could. And I feel that really heavily now. I remember we had a really beautiful moment on the K-Sang Beers tour. Our first show, I think was like two days after the Orlando shooting. And I was really afraid. I was really apprehensive. And I was like, I don't want people to come for us. You know, is this going to happen everywhere now? And I remember getting on stage and Katie Lang has a similar fan base too to the Indigo Girls like you know 200 lesbians rushed to the front of the stage absolutely unafraid and filled with joy and I wept my fucking eyes out it was so hard to get through those songs because I was just like this is what making space is this is what it is and this is what we're not doing now this is what we're not doing now that we need to be doing. Like, it's very much like trying to get straight white men to stick up for women and they and them everywhere, you know? They're not doing it. They're not showing up. And it's like, just like everybody else isn't showing up for queer, LGBTQIA, people of color. And it's disheartening because it's not because we don't love and we don't care. It's because we're just numb. And comfortable I guess and I don't know how anybody can feel comfortable I think I just have too much prickly in my body or too much Mm. something but what if my circumstances change and my partner is a woman someday or my daughter you know what does this world look like for her and you know I have friends in Florida who have children who are trans who are moving away like from their homes they live their whole life there and, and they feel very unsafe and ready for violence and there's threats they're going to go to jail it's just like this is what we're focusing on this is the most horrendous i've read so much about history and especially world war ii like what happened right before world war ii this is exactly what the nazis did they rounded people up and they did a litmus test like what can we get away with let's start with queer people because that's pretty easy to turn people against queer people It's a pretty religious atmosphere. Let's try them out, you know? Being first in line for the chopping block every fucking time. Like, I'm not there, but I can see it from here. And what it does to me, that next several levels of deepness and darkness, I can't imagine. And it already fills me with such terror and sadness and, you know, I don't know what to say about that other than that's where we are. Well, you were just out on the road with the Indigo Girls. Yeah. Which is the opposite of sadness. 
Absolutely. I mean, and so on the other side of that, what was that like? And did you have that same feeling as you described before of being in that I felt space? super protective and yeah. super excited and super honored to be asked as an ally to be part of Pride in San Francisco. Yeah. It was a huge deal that I am not taking for granted. And I just was like, God, I hope nothing goes wrong. I hope yeah. nobody targets this as something. And, you know, everything went off fine. And they, of course, were graceful and laid back and as welcoming as they always yeah, are. They're amazing. And the audience was yeah. fantastic. And there's just so many feelings and so many emergencies that happen inside you. Yeah. And I worry about everyone. Like, I worry about the audience. Like, I hope the, I hope nobody hurts anybody in the audience. I hope everybody finds parking. Like, I'm just, I don't know. It's so fascinating and fun, as you we were just kind of touched on earlier, new experiences that you're having lately, being involved with the Broadway world and musicals, what that's like. And I also happen to know from talking to Anais Mitchell and Ingrid Michelson that Broadway's still so male-dominated. It's crazy. Women writing musicals is still very... Yeah. It's like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. And when I first heard that you were doing that, I was like, fuck, yes. Talk about the right person to be subverting that, I feel. Yeah, it's wonderful. And we have an all-female team with the exception of one man who is my favorite. And we're an incredibly capable team who works really well together and it's kind of the first thing in our lives i hope we get this to where it's supposed to go like we definitely kill our darlings constantly for the betterment of what the project is supposed to be yeah and it feels good it hurts for a second yeah or you know we stand around arguing really loud with each other and then it's like oh it's lunchtime okay i'll buy today you know what i mean like it's like such a comfortable place You can actually spar and fight for something or an idea. You know, five minutes later, it's like, it's not personal. It's about ideas. Or if somebody else is fighting, I can sit right underneath them in between them at the table and work on lyrics while they're doing it and just tune it out. Amazing. It feels so good and not charged with a negative energy whatsoever. It's really super healthy. It's like, yay, discourse. That is amazing. And it'll be so fun to catch up with you I don't know, a year from now to see what this whole experience has brought into Nico Case land. When you go back into the next album cycle and what kind of a lens you see everything through now that all this information has filtered in. Well, I've always thought of things very cinematically. And so a musical was not a faraway step. Yeah. But it's still a world I've never been and I'd only ever seen one musical in my life which was Book of Mormon, (laughs) which I did like. But I didn't know anything about it. And they were like, that's why we want you to do it. I was like, okay, well, it's your funeral. You know what you signed up for. You can fire me at any time. And they're like, we know. (laughs) It's good. It's great. I can't wait for it to come out. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for all the things that are coming out. Wild Creatures, I just got my vinyl in the mail the other day. Everybody should go get the vinyl copy of Wild Creatures. That's all about Laura Plansker's artwork. She's the man. Oh, Shadow Let's get this done. 
Oh Shadowless, a new song by Nico Case, which closes her new retrospective collection, Wild Creatures. I'm Carmel Holt. What is next as far as your own music? Are you also working on some new Yes, I have about, about 10 songs right now. We go into the studio in September and I'm recording it all in my own studio, which is really exciting. My partner Jeff and I will be doing it with lots of the usual suspects and some new ones too. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for rescuing me. Thanks you guys Thank for Thank you waiting. for being here for it. So sweet. Many thanks to Nico Case for being with us live at Newport Folk Festival. The double vinyl edition of Wild Creatures is out now on Anti Records. Special thanks to Billy Glasner, Director of Partnerships and Archivist of the Newport Folk and Jazz Festivals for the Golf Cart Rescue. Deep gratitude to Newport Folk Festival for including Shiro's on the festival lineup this year. Visit newportfestivals.org for more. Shiro's is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. Our original theme music is by Lucius. Shiro's is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the SheRose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at SheRose Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us grow and bring you more SheRose. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening.